Welcome to No More Desire. My name's Jake Castleman. I've had personal experience with what it takes to get clean and stay clean of porn. And now I'm helping others just like you break free and step into their new life. Through one-on-one coaching, daily check-ins, and life-changing material, I help others break free of porn and never look back. To discover how you can overcome porn addiction, go to nomoredesire.com. Welcome to the No More Desire podcast. My name is Jake Castleman. Today we're going to be talking about religious shame and porn addiction. And I want to talk to you today about how religious shame and porn addiction go hand in hand. Why? Why is that? Because in truth, they are two sides of the same coin. We often see addiction as an isolated incident you know, an issue all its own. We think that if we can just abstain from porn, then we'll eventually lose our desire for it. We also think things like, if I just have enough sex with my wife, then I won't want porn. And I have to tell you, after nearly a decade of my own recovery and working with other addicts, I can tell you Both of those lines of reasoning are false. Why? Because the underlying reasons for shame, or in other words, the belief, I'm not good enough, I don't match up, or perhaps in the case of religious shame, God doesn't love me or consider me worthy. Those are the same underlying reasons for addiction. Shame actually leads to addiction. And we're going to talk about how that works. Pornography addiction is not simply caused by manly urges, lust, impulsivity, or being a pervert, quote-unquote. These have very little to do with the addiction. And today we're going to discuss the root causes of both porn addiction and religious shame and how we can work through them. So many of us are under the impression that engaging in our addiction causes us to feel religious shame, right? To feel that God is displeased with us and that we are unworthy in his eyes when we engage in our porn addiction. But this religious shame did not begin with the porn addiction. It's important to understand that. It started a long time before that, during childhood, for a lot of us. Growing up, you know, depending on who you are, if you grew up in a Christian household, maybe you experienced this, we believed that we needed to earn God's love. We were taught that God only favored the righteous. And so if we wanted to receive his help and his love, we needed to do everything exactly right. And only then Only then would he lend us a hand. And honestly, this led to a dark and twisted view of God and his opinion of his children. We saw God as an egoic, self-centered God filled with jealousy and wrath. And this belief system led us to feel more and more fear and unworthiness. And these feelings then caused us to seek out destructive behaviors 
as a form of self-fulfilling prophecy that confirmed our low opinion of ourselves and gave us a cheap means of escape from the torturous thoughts that we faced. The religious shame came before the porn addiction, and the porn addiction, of course, perpetuated the religious shame. It's that endless cycle that many of us understand, or at least that we feel. God is not judgmental, my friend. God is not selfish. God is not jealous. God does not withdraw his love from you when you make choices choices that he'd rather you not, including engaging with porn. That doesn't mean that you're automatically going to feel his love after watching porn or engaging in another addiction, but he does not withdraw his help. We withdraw ourselves. Why, with all of God's infinite understanding and compassion, would he judge you for succumbing to the will of the flesh, a temptation which he understands perfectly? Why, after witnessing the mistakes of numberless children, would God abandon you when you need him most, leaving you to your own designs, your own destruction? If you love your child with a depth that defies reason, that would cause you to plunge into the depths of hell to save that child, would God, with his supreme knowledge and goodness, not love you with that level of depth, plus a capacity that only a deity who has seen all things could have. Ask yourself that. God is not bothered by your bad decisions. He only wants you to grow through them, learn through them, and experience the peace he knows is on the other side waiting for you. God's perspective is perfect, my friend. He has seen it all. He's not new to sin. Yes, he'd rather you not commit it, but if you need to commit it in order to learn and grow and change in the long run, then I think that God understands that and accepts that. And he's going to empower you as you work through that. He's not concerned with how many mistakes you make as long as if it eventually leads you back to his son. However long that takes, he will stand close by offering you his hand. We are the ones who cut ourselves off from God's love and help when we believe ourselves to be unworthy of it, not the other way around. And of course, when we make certain decisions, we do cut ourselves off from certain blessings, right? But it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us or that he's not instantly willing to be there to help the moment that we turn to him and want to change our ways. So I got to say, it's, not, it's simply not enough to quit porn. Okay, many of us Christians believe that quitting porn will be the end of our issues with self-worth, with religious shame. We believe that God will finally love us and reward us for being clean and making righteous choices. And then we will no longer feel this constant sense of guilt. And I have to tell you from my own personal experience, when I quit porn, I was greeted by many of the same bad habits I had previous to my addiction. All the same ones. Was my life better? Yeah, of course. 
my mood was better. I felt more energy and motivation. I felt more connected to God and those around me, but I still had a long way to go. And that's true recovery. It's not a destination. It's a daily process. It goes on for good for the rest of your life after you quit and are clean. It's a daily effort. It's taken every, it's taken 24 hours at a time. Even after I got clean, I still believed that I had to earn Christ's love through my works. I thought that God thought less of me as his child when I made mistakes, and so I did everything I could to avoid mistakes. And if I made one, I did everything I could to deny it and justify it. That's perfectionism. And when we struggle with religious shame, we believe our mistakes make us unworthy of God's love. We believe that God is keeping a tally, perhaps, of all of our good and bad decisions, constantly reevaluating whether we're worthy of heaven or hell. It is exactly this line of thinking that leads us to destructive behaviors like porn addiction. And some say that we stop porn addiction by resisting it and staying away from it long enough to stop craving it. But this is, it's only a band-aid for a much deeper problem, in my view. If we become clean while ignoring the underlying thoughts and feelings that lead to addiction in the first place, such as religious shame, either we will be both sober and miserable, a dry drunk as the saying goes, or we will quickly replace our old addiction with a new one. When we get stuck in habits of religious shame, constantly obsessing over whether we are good enough in God's eyes or not, or whether we're good enough to make it to heaven or not, we center our focus upon things that we do not want. In other words, upon fear, not faith. By constantly worrying about sin, we increase the likelihood that we will engage in it. It's very important we understand this. By obsessing over whether we're good enough or not, we ensure that our focus remains upon ourselves and upon fear, rather than upon simply going about doing good. We cannot recover in such a state of mind. If we want to lead a good life, filled with love and compassion and service, we need to forget about our wonderings of our worthiness in God's eyes, wondering whether he loves us or not, and simply accept that he does. And I know that's easier said than done. But instead of worrying about our worth, we can transfer our focus to the acceptance of his gifts of grace and guidance in every circumstance or at least we can practice doing so or ask him to help our unbelief if we don't believe that. We can always depend upon God and surrender our life and will to him, just as it says in step three of the 12 steps. The moment we choose to be humble and turn our will over to him, he's there. And frankly, when we suck at doing this, we can forgive ourselves for that. And we can start again. By releasing our need for certainty about our standing before God and instead practice focusing on the belief that he loves us no matter what, 
practice that, then we can begin to live in accordance with that belief. It's very important to understand this. In other words, we can begin to make choices that someone who believed they were worthy of love would make. And this will empower us to do more good, help more people, and to recover from addiction. Before we go on, I just want to say, rate this podcast, follow this podcast if you want to get more porn addiction help. Also, go to the description of this podcast to download my free ebook with the seven causes of porn addiction and the seven solutions for porn addiction recovery. So let's keep going. You know, many of us with religious shame feel that God is punishing us when we face trial and hardship. And I want to talk about that. We feel that we're a bad person when temptations come against us. And this just simply isn't true. Temptations or trials, hardships do not make us a bad person. Christ himself was tempted. And was that because he was a bad person? Certainly not, right? He, but he faced temptations and immense pain all the same. Think of that, right? The most perfect man and God to ever walk the earth was the same man who suffered the most of any of us. Did he earn that suffering? No, just as we don't earn our suffering necessarily. Okay, some of the most powerful people to ever walk this planet, who helped many and did much good, were those who experienced the most trials, the most hardship of any of us. And the simple fact is trials molded these individuals into who they became. Without the pain, they suffered they never would have become and developed the depth, resilience, and faith that they did. Without the unfathomable difficulties Christ faced, we would never have been saved. We need trials. We need temptations. We need hardship in order to shape us and mold us. Inevitable temptations will cross our mind every day. We face pains and temptations because we're human. Not because God is condemning us or giving us our just dues for poor choices. Tribulation can help us grow. When we allow hardships to turn our minds to him, embracing discomfort and uncertainty, these trials define us. Without them, we cannot become great. We are meant to face these things in life, my friend. And righteous living will never, ever make us exempt. In fact, much of the time, the opposite is the case. Righteous living leads to more challenges, more hardships, because God wants us to grow. And I'm still trying to learn that all the time, because I forget it constantly. We can stand strong in the face of fear, shame, pride, all those things that lead to our addictions. Knowing that these feelings do not define our worth or our identity, they aren't who we are, they're just part of the human condition. We can transcend these temptations every day as we practice observing them, not letting them define us, 
and allowing God into our mind and our heart. And I'm one, I'm, I'm one of you, whoever you are listening to this, I'm a recovering addict taking it one day at a time. I'm always learning. I've been sober over eight years now. I've worked with others and helped them. That doesn't mean I'm not still learning all the time and trying to practice this stuff in my daily life. And if you want to come into my coaching program and get personal help, go to my site, nomoredesire.com slash coaching. I'd love to work with you. So living with this perspective is key for long-lasting recovery. That's because a healthy sense of self-worth, surrender to the moment, and feeling meaning and purpose in life are all key for recovery. As we practice this perception, which is to know that all experiences here on earth are simply for our learning, and to know that God loves us unconditionally through it all, we overcome both religious shame and porn addiction, which are two sides of the same coin. Something else I want to talk about. All of us Christians have heard the classic phrase, I'm trying to be like Jesus, right? We say it from the time we're little kids. It defines so much of the beautiful truths of our religion. And it's a wonderful thing that we aim for that. We want to do right, to serve and to love as Christ did. But sometimes, unfortunately, this belief can go awry. Because frankly, our Egos and Satan's demons are going to use anything they can to try to mess us up. We experience dissonance when our choices do not align with our values. We experience shame and fear when we fall short of those teachings which we hold dear. It's hard to attempt to live a life guided by principles of perfection. And this can often lead us to become perfectionistic believing that we must avoid mistakes at all costs. And this perfectionism can go beyond living free of spiritual sin. And it can expand into things like saying just the right thing in the moment, being perfectly confident, accomplishing tasks without making a mistake. Okay, things that have nothing to do with trying to be like Jesus. Such a belief causes us never to venture out, explore, and do new things because we are too worried about doing them imperfectly. We make the mistake of assuming that Christ never lacked in any way while here on earth, that he never made a mistake while learning to master carpentry, for instance, that he never once stuttered over his words on occasion or misunderstood what someone said. You know, I don't know for sure, because I wasn't there, but I think that Christ did all of these things. He was, after all, a man while he was here on earth. He was vesseled in an imperfect body with strengths and weaknesses, and he had to make the best of his capabilities as a human being. To try to be like Jesus does not mean to be free of all mistakes, Christ was not perfect in, that, in the sense that he was flawlessly coordinated, talented, and knowledgeable in every last subject and activity. Rather, he was perfect in that he always followed his Father's will. Everything he did was focused on serving those around him, and he did it while relying on his Father in heaven every moment. 
Okay, Christ was not above needing help, and neither are we. We are made perfect in Christ, and that his grace makes us whole. And the guidance of his Holy Spirit grants us what is needed for the moment. We will never be perfect in this life because only he was and is. Christ performed the atonement for each one of us regardless of our choices. The act is already done. We keep suffering for our sins and we keep saying, God, I'm so sorry, why don't you love me? Because I'm messing up and I'm not worthy of your love. But the atonement is already complete. It's already done. Its gift abounds endlessly to cover any sin or transgression necessary, including addiction. It's infinite. To try to be like Jesus means to learn to rely upon him in all things, not to be perfect in all things. It's a practice, not a destination. We will not reach perfection through our will, but are instead perfected by his. Christ looked the adulterer in the eye and told her, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Where others stood for justice and punishment, Christ stood for forgiveness and compassion. Christ did not say, I won't condemn you as long as you don't make any more bad choices. Nor did he say, if you mess up one more time, you know where you're going. There were no conditions on Christ's love and forgiveness. He gave it freely to a woman who was caught in the very act of adultery moments before, one of the most egregious sins that there is. Christ always stands for forgiveness because forgiveness frees us from the past and helps us release our sin rather than holding on to it. Shame about sin or a belief that sin makes us unworthy of love propels us towards that sin. Again, shame about sin or a belief that it makes us unworthy of love propels us towards that sin. Knowing our infinite worth in the sight of God, on the other hand, frees us from sin's pull so we can learn from our mistakes and move forward. And the key here is the addict brain, the natural man, the ego, whatever you want to call it, is attracted to intensity, and it will attempt to get it from positive or negative means. It doesn't care which. It just wants it to be intense. And when we slip with addiction, our best course of action is to see it as a learning experience and ask Christ to grant us grace and guidance to change for the future from the experience that we've had. Beating ourselves up will make our brain want to repeat the behavior, whereas holding ourselves accountable for the mistake and determining what we can learn from it without condemning ourselves will make us less likely to repeat the behavior in the future. I help my clients recover from porn addiction using shame-free, Christ-centered teachings that focus on mental, spiritual, relational, and physical interventions. My program is not your average talk therapy recovery coaching. It's much, much more than that. And in addition to weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions, 
I give you a structured program, weekly exercises, daily check-ins, and personalized goals and plans to empower your success. So if you want to come join me, go to nomoredesire.com, check out my recovery coaching program for Christians. I would love to have you on board or have you come in for a free consultation. Virtually, that is. I hope today's episode has helped you a lot, my friend. Follow this podcast, rate it. It helps me to reach more people. And in the description of this podcast, go ahead and download my free ebook to overcome porn addiction. It contains the seven causes of porn addiction and the seven solutions for recovery. It's a decade of experience that I have in personal, uh, both personally and professionally, to help you overcome your porn addiction. So download that free ebook by clicking the link in the description or by going to nomoredesire.com. It's on the homepage. God loves you, my friend. You can do this. Keep up the good work. You're doing better than you think. Much love. Everything expressed on the No More Desire podcast are the opinions of the host and participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of a qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.